Welcome. Welcome to Grace Community Church. My name is Christine. It is always so wonderful to look out and see all of you beautiful people. Today is another amazing day at Grace Community Church. I feel like I'm a broken record. I say this every Sunday. But today is our group Sunday. So if you don't know what an R group is, tonight you're going to find, or today you're going to find out what an R group is. Um, and if you're not in an R group, I hope that you will be running out of these doors after the service, ready and pumped to sign up for an R group. They are fantastic. Before we start that fun, though, I hope you grabbed a bulletin. I would love for you to look at the front page. Labor Day Sunday. Yes, that is next Sunday. One amazing family service together. So plan on being here at 9 o'clock to worship together. We'll have plenty of chairs. Don't worry. We'll make room. It's going to be so fun to worship the Lord together. Uh, do not come at 1030. That will be such a bummer for you because you'll be saying goodbye to everybody that's in here. So 9 o'clock, write it on your calendar, put it in your phone. Um, also, I do want to have you look through all of these great little inserts this morning, but we have a huge need, um, and that is in our children's department. You know, we've had to, in the past couple of months, close a couple of the Sunday school classes in the mornings, which is such a bummer. Um, we don't have enough volunteers um, in our leadership to take care of these young people and to lead them. So I would just love for you to pray about it. Maybe you've never worked with children. Don't be afraid. They're not, af they're not scary. They're so wonderful and loving. Um, and do you know what qualifies you to work with children? Wait for it. To be a human. Isn't that amazing? Every one of you, I believe, qualifies to work with our children at Grace Community Church. So be praying about this. Even if you gave one Sunday every other month, you can work that out with Brittany. So um, I know that this will all come together, and God has such a beautiful plan for these beautiful little children here. Uh, if you're new this morning, I do want to take this opportunity to welcome you. If you don't mind raising your hand, we have a packet of information for you. And in the back is a communication card. If you don't mind filling that out and placing it in the offering plate, that just lets us know how we can serve you. And it's a great day to worship our great big God, so let's do that now. Amen. Why don't we all stand together? How many of you know we can stand on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and we will not be moved? He's the chief cornerstone and we can overcome anything in life through him. Silence breaks 
clap of praise this morning. Our God is able. Okay. 
turn and greet one another this morning. I don't know if I'll get a chance to see you after, right. but thank you. Allie, thank you. All you did was great. I don't know if I'll... Sit down. What's wrong with you people? You act like you love each other. Good morning. Um, if you are just now getting in here, Christine, in our announcements this morning, said that today is our group 
Sunday, and it is, so we're changing things up just a little bit. You may not know, I know many of you know, but you may not know that our, our groups are our, is our small group ministry, and the, people always say, what does the R stand for? Well, it reminds us of our vision statement, which you see up behind me. We live to inspire Christ's likeness, three R's, by reaching out, raising up, and reverencing Christ together. Today, we hope to inspire you. Really, we have two things we want to accomplish. Uh, we will tell you if you're not in an R group, if you're not in a small group ministry, we think that small groups are essential to, to the beginning of the discipleship process. And so we want to inspire you to maybe consider getting into a small group. Um, but it's more than that. Certainly, we always, in all of our services, want to inspire Christ's likeness. So we do want to inspire you in your relationship with Christ and to the importance of community. You know, it's easy for us to forget that we are not in this journey alone. We are in this journey together, and we need each other. And so we're going to try to inspire you in your relationship with Christ in a variety of ways, through some testimonies and through some teaching. And even right now, I'm going to invite Kirk and Allie Kindy to come up and share with you about how the Lord's working in their lives. Good morning. My name is Kirk Kendi, and this is my beautiful wife, Allie. We've been married for six and a half wonderful years, and we have two children, Parker, who is four, and Riley, who is two. Allie grew up coming to Grace, but I've been coming for the past uh, seven years now. Shortly after we got married, we joined an R group led by Eric and Christine DeHaan um, as a way to get involved and develop relationships as a married couple. Our time in that R group was such a blessing as we were able to learn from and grow with people who had already walked through the stage of life we were in at that time. To any of you who are newly married and looking to find community and get connected at Grace, we would highly recommend joining our group. After Parker was born, we felt that we had entered a season of life where we couldn't commit to our groups consistently the way that we should. So we decided to take a break from our involvement. During that time of busyness, we ended up becoming one-service Sunday churchgoers. We were committed to coming each week, but that was the extent of our involvement within the church. At the beginning of last year, I started to feel the Holy Spirit calling me into a deeper relationship with him and calling me to lead my family into being more involved in the church. Allie and I began to pray about what, where God was calling us to both serve and be a part of community here at Grace. We began attending the Family Matters ABF, which meets at 9 a.m. each Sunday. I started to attend Ironworks Men's Bible Study on Thursday mornings, and we both began volunteering as leaders in the Wednesday night Awana program. My involvement in men's ministries and in other areas of the church has really helped my own personal spiritual growth. I've come to realize how important fellowship and discipleship are in our walk with the Lord. Even though we had these commitments within the church, I felt very strongly that we should get back involved in our groups. In Hebrews 10, 10 24 through 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but as encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I realized that in being one-service one Sunday churchgoers, we had been missing out on the goodness that comes with being in community with the body of Christ. It was important to me that we have the time of growth and fellowship side-by-side side with those in our church family, and specifically in an R group. 
So when Kirk came to me with the idea of joining an R group again, I was hesitant, which means I said no. Um, I had loved our experience with R groups in the past, um, but we had stepped away due, due to being in a busy season of life, and I still felt very strongly that we were in that busy season of life. Um, at that time, we had a one and a three-year-old, and I really didn't feel that we had the time to commit to our groups, but I could also see that Kirk was trying to submit to what God was calling um, him to and our family to, and that really encouraged me to want to follow. Um, a few weeks later, we became a part of an R group led by Kevin and Karen Saltzman. Um, this group had many people in our same life stage, and we were really able to walk alongside um, those in our group and build relationships and do life together with them. Our group spent time each meeting specifically for prayer for um, members of our church leadership and their spouses and writing notes of encouragement to them. Um, our time with our R group became a time with friends, unpacking the sermons, praying together, um, talking about life, and laughing together. Sorry. Um, when I think of the season of life that led us to come back to our groups, I think of John 10.10, 10, which says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When we follow God's call to service and community with his church, we're able to live in the abundance of life that he has for us. If I had listened to my own excuses, I probably would not have felt that I had time for our groups for the next 16 to 18 years until my kids are grown, um, and I'm sure I'd be busy after that. Um, I was like many of you sitting in the congregation today juggling work and a family and a schedule and trying to find time for everything. I've learned that we make time for the things that are important to us and God and his church should be important to us. Do not allow the thief to steal your life through busyness of every day and cause you to miss the abundance that's waiting for you um, when you get involved in serving the church, growing in community through our groups. We're excited about the upcoming year in our groups, and if you're not in an R group, there's still time for you to become a part of this community at Grace. You may have a friend or a family member who's been asking you to join their R group, and don't take that lightly. Um, that's something that's a, an awesome um, thing that you can become a part of. You may have a spouse who's pushing you to take this step to get connected, and my hope is that our story of growth through involvement in, in Grace and a lot of different programs, but specifically in our groups, would be a challenge and an encouragement to you. Thank you. Amen. Let's all stand together again. Sing champion.
Thursday nights in our satellite ministry, which is our ministry to young adults, we've been going through the Psalms. And on Thursday, we were in Psalm 13. David says that he trusts God. He rejoices. And he sings praise. And he says it for a very specific reason. So let's read Psalm 13, 5 and 6 together. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. He's been good to us. Let's enter this time of prayer with that in mind. Father God, we come before you this morning, and for those of us in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, God, we are humbled by your grace. We are thankful for your salvation. And we bring praise to you this morning through song, through opening of scripture and hearing of testimonies. And God, for those here, maybe who don't have a personal relationship with you, who aren't overwhelmed by your grace, God, this morning I pray that you would overwhelm them with your spirit, that they wouldn't leave here not having a personal relationship with you. There's so many things in this world that need our prayer and our, our focus, God. I pray that our hearts would release our burdens to you, not just during this time, but throughout our day. And this morning we pray for those who have been affected by Hurricane Lane, those in Hawaii who are dealing with floods, loss of homes, possibly loss of life. God, I pray your blessings upon those that they would have people that would minister to them, that God, they would see that you are using people to provide for their needs. We pray the same thing for those who have been affected by the earthquake in Venezuela, God, that you would just, in a miraculous way, minister to them. We pray this morning a, a praise for Connor Anderson and, and just uh, the good news that his diagnosis was not a tumor or a cyst in his brain, but God, that it is treatable. We thank you that he's here with us this morning and that he's enjoying a better health. We pray for Robin and Bob Hamlin and Karen and Troy Pace, family members of ours who have lost a loved one. We pray for others in this room that carry burdens that only you can lift from them, God. We pray that we could help, that we would be a blessing to them, that we would walk with them during this season of life, and that you would use us to minister to them. There's a lot going on in our church. Our children's department has needs, God. We pray that you would meet that by motivating us to step forward and to serve you by serving the children of this church. In just a few weeks, we will have the Family Missions Festival. We pray that many would come to this campus and experience uh, what it is that our missionaries are doing, not just here in Visalia, but around the world. We pray for the provision of rain in our valley and snow in our mountains with smoldering fires, smoke, and a dry land from a long summer, God. We pray that you would give us rain and that we would turn and bless you, God, and glorify your name for it. And this morning, we have an opportunity to participate in worship by the giving of our tithes and offerings. God, as an act of obedience, I pray that each person would give graciously and generously. Each person would give joyfully, as you have called us to do. We give this worship through tithes, offerings, through the offering of song, through the hearing of testimony and the opening of your word. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
My name is Joseph Holt, uh, and this beautiful woman of God is my wife, April. And uh, we want to talk to you about our groups, um, but we have to take a bit of a detour uh, first. Uh, we will get there eventually, but uh, many of you know, but uh, probably not all, uh, that April and I are leaving Visalia, California. We're moving away um, after 17 years uh, living here and being uh, members at Grace. Uh, God has a, something new for us. Uh, I say moving, we've actually moved, so my verb tense is uh, a little wrong. Uh, we've had a, a long-term intention of uh, uh, probably not staying in the valley uh, for this next phase of life. We're, we were actually uh, sojourners in the valley. We weren't um, we're not native. Uh, April is from San Diego and from Los Angeles originally, and we actually met and married in Bakersfield, and uh, we did not like Bakersfield, <laughs> but we lived there for uh, 10 years and uh, had a, a beautiful, a vibrant relationship with our church. We had uh, what we felt at the time was the best church in the world and loved and served uh, many people there. Uh, we started our family in Bakersfield. Uh, I had a work opportunity and we moved to Visalia, um, which was not in our plan at that time. God often has kind of different uh, Visalia we hadn't actually heard of before we moved um, here but um, and we wanted to move back to San Diego or maybe to the Bay Area we had different plans uh, at that time uh, but God uh, wanted us here and so we thought well it can't be worse than Bakersfield so let's try Visalia and uh, we were we had no idea uh, because Visalia has actually been an amazing blessing it was uh, it is a beautiful community uh, it was a great place uh, to raise our family and um, 
And we never really knew exactly what was next for us, uh, but we knew that we were going to be here until our kids were off to college, and, uh, and we held very loosely any specific plans for the future, but we um, always had a long-term sense that probably it would be somewhere else. Um, and so some of you, over these last three years, it's really been uh, the Central Coast had started really to resonate with us as an area that we planned on moving and living, uh, God willing, at some point. The part of it that it was a huge surprise to us was the timing. This is much earlier than we expected um, this to happen. And uh, the way God opened that up was actually through April's um, work. April worked uh, for the Tulare County Office of Ed as a nurse uh, working uh, with severely handicapped uh, children for 10 years. Uh, she worked part-time while our kids were growing up and going through school. And um, as our daughter has now graduated and is uh, going away to university, we just very first started putting out feelers to see what was there. And a position that had not opened up in previous years, a full-time position with the San Luis Obispo County Office of Ed uh, came up. And it was kind of shocking for us that, because it was, again, much earlier than we had planned, um, we decided to step out in faith and just uh, apply and see what happened. And, and uh, it seemed almost insurmountable, all the logistics that would have to come together. And uh, we trusted in God. And he was uh, really amazing in how quickly everything happened. Literally within four weeks of the posting, um, April had been offered the job. We had sold our home, secured a new home on the coast, and were uh, relocating. And it was, it's been a, a huge whirlwind. And April had her first uh, week at work uh, this last week. You want to share about your so I started Monday um, really enjoying the job it's a huge blessing and it was always our plan um, for me to work full-time as our kids are in university and on um, the first day my nurse supervisor and I were having a conversation and we both found out that we were both Christians which was very exciting and she shared with me that she and the previous person that held the position had been praying for a Christian to come and fill this position as we were praying, God, show us what your will is. You know, open the doors if this is your will. So it's very exciting to see that, all those prayers um, answered. And um, I have the opportunity it's um, to continue to work with severely handicapped children and medically fragile a little bit, but I also have a new opportunity there to work with um, troubled teens that come from very difficult, um, high-risk families. And so that will be very new for me and different. And um, I just, I'm excited about it and challenged by it. And I just um, would covet your prayers for that if you think about me. So the uh, timing was uh, a shock to us, uh, but we are excited and, and walking in this new adventure that God has. I want you all to know that we are still members at Grace. Uh, we're um, still engaged. We will be here through, we're uh, going to keep doing that through the end of uh, this year. Um, I serve on the uh, elder board, some of you may know, and there's a lot of uh, work and business to be done over the, at the last part of the year, and so I'm going to continue through that work, and uh, we're listening to the sermons weekly uh, and are, are still engaged, and this is our family. We're taking this, these next couple months also to visit churches on Sundays, um, over at the coast and try to find um, God's new family uh, for us there at Grace. Uh, I mentioned earlier our church in Bakersfield we actually loved. We thought it was the best church in the world and it, we, our hearts were broken when we left Bakersfield and came here and we were convinced that um, we were going to have to settle you know, for a church that wasn't as good as the one we had left. And again, we were wrong because we found grace and it has been an amazing blessing in our lives, uh, both for us and for our kids. Uh, and uh, so we were glad that we actually found a better church in, in Visalia. 
So I think God has a better church for us at the coast now. So, <laughs> which will actually only, and he does, but it will only, it's not objectively better uh, because uh, it'll just be better for us because it's what God has for us next. And new opportunities for service and for ways, uh, ways for us to meet new people and, and pour into new lives. And so we're very excited about that. Um, it has been... Uh, it, it is sad to move on. Um, one thing that's been impressed on me, we've had opportunity over these last couple months to um, pray with and cry with um, some of our dearest friends here at Grace, um, most of whom we met in our groups um, over these last 17 years. And so it is very sad to move on. But one, an image that God has been impressing on me is that uh, the kingdom of God and the fellowship like here at Grace is not a lake uh, that stays the same. Uh, it is a, more of a river. Uh, and God's people come and go uh, through that. It's a very wide, luxurious river, uh, but it is something that is moving and dynamic, and so we're excited to follow God uh, to what he has for us next. And in looking for a new church, you know what the number one most important thing that we're looking for is? You guys guess? Small group ministry, yeah. Wouldn't have been when we came here. That wasn't first on our list, but from our experience at Grace, we're now looking for a church that has a, a vibrant, dynamic, a small group ministry uh, because of what we've learned over the years that happens in those. Um, of course, doctrine and teaching is, uh, you know, one and one A, but it, we're, we're gonna choose a church that has something very similar to what our groups are here because they've meant so much to us. When we started our groups, which was very shortly after we came to Grace, uh, we knew we would be blessed by it. It's why we joined. Um, we very quickly learned we'd have opportunity to bless others. Uh, and then we learned over years how many different and unexpected ways our groups would be a blessing in our lives, uh, not least actually even uh, with our kids. You want to share about that? So when we started hosting and um, leading, our kids were three and five, very little. Um, so we had a babysitter coming because their bedtime was before we would finish and didn't want the three and five-year-olds to come out during our group. So, um, And then as they got older, they would slowly kind of come out and participate a little bit, have dessert with us, and um, really, they really enjoyed that. They anticipated our group coming. Um, they watched us, you know, model hospitality in our home and really enjoyed that. Um, as I got even older in high school, sometimes, you know, we would be in prayer as a group and they would have to come in and sneak, you know, by our group and as we were praying and um, got to see that. And, and then they would come out and start fellowshipping with us and the group as they got to become young adults. And, you know, our group was invested in them and knew about them because we would share prayer requests about our kids and um, they really loved it and enjoyed it. And it's been an amazing blessing to our kids and our family. Um, Sarah, I think, is here. I would go and say, hey, we're having dessert. Do you want dessert? And she said, well, what's for dessert? Uh, <laughs> the, um, I have some scripture I'd like to share uh, with you because I believe it's so uh, critically important and our groups play such a, a critical function. I was really blessed with uh, Kirk as they shared. Um, there was a period or a season, a brief season, where they were coming to church once uh, uh, for one service, then that was the only main connection. Uh, and I, th I think that, that will resonate here for a portion of the scripture. In Romans uh, chapter 4, it says, For just as each of, you, each of us has a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. 
if the body of Christ, if the, if the church is a body, then our groups are the connective tissue and the, the sinew that holds us together. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. Um, the, probably the best and most dynamic place for you to exercise your spiritual gifts is in a small group ministry. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. I have myself been blessed by um, people prophesying and speaking into my life, exercising their gift in a small group at Grace. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. I am persuaded that we all are given the spiritual gift of encouragement and are called on to exercise that. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Uh, that has been my life verse for many years, and I like to, in this context, and in preparing for today, God showed me that this whole passage is about the body of Christ. I've read, myself, misread for years, that is a singular. Joseph, be joyful in hope. Joseph, be patient in affliction. Joseph, be faithful in prayer. It's actually not. It's the body. Uh, it's be joyful together in hope. Be patient in affliction together. Be faithful in prayer together. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. The New Living Translation uh, renders the verse, love must be sincere, in a better way, I think. It says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Going back to that idea of coming once a Sunday, uh, our uh, hypocrisy comes built in with us. It's in our nature. And it's too easy. This may sound cynical, but if you have a peripheral or drive-by connection to church, it's too easy to pretend uh, to love others. You can actually do it for extended periods of time and nobody will know. Um, if you join in our group, you can't fake that. You can't fake loving others in an R group because they'll figure you out. <laughs> and so uh, how can you best uh, drive yourself for spiritual growth? By being in positions where you can't fake it. And so I encourage you uh, to join in our group and knit yourself in uh, to this wonderful, vibrant community of Christ here at Grace. Thank you, guys. You know, I, I, I love testimonies, don't you? I, I love them especially for a lot of reasons. But I love them especially because I get to hear, or we get to hear, how people are thinking about their relationship with Christ, how they're thinking through why they do what they do. And it's, it's challenging, and it's encouraging. And I, I think we all do that from time to time. I actually think we should do it even more than we typically do. But do you ever ask yourself the question, why do I do what I do? It's a great picture of a cute young man, don't you think? 
I know you might think he's me. I wasn't quite that cute. But I did wear those glasses. Well, not those glasses, but... You ever ask yourself, why do I do what I do? Or maybe you do it this way. What am I doing? You ever get into that where you're going, what am I doing? Or maybe you even ask it a little bit differently. Am I making a difference? I think as believers, we ask that pretty regular. I think it is good. It's evaluation. It's evaluating how we're living our lives and what are we, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? Um, I happen to think that that is biblical, by the way. Not only is it good, but it's also biblical. Let me give you a couple of passages to, to illustrate the point. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, catch it. Think about those things. See, that's thinking. I, I particularly like 2 Corinthians 10.5. I've committed it to memory because I think it's a great tool to fight the evil one, our enemy, and listen to what it says. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take that captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.33, many have memorized. It has to do with paying attention to who we're taking counsel from or who we're in tight relationships with. It says, do not be misled. I actually think a better translation would be, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And we memorize that, but we miss the next verse that comes along and pay attention to what it says. Come back to your senses. If I was to paraphrase that a bit, think about what you're doing as you ought and stop sinning. Evaluation is a good thing. We ought to be thinking all the time, why am I doing what I'm doing? 1 Timothy 4, 12 to 16, I'm just going to give you a portion of it. But it says, set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. That doesn't just happen by chance, folks. It doesn't just happen. We have to think about it. We have to purpose ourselves to that. That's why it goes on and says, watch your life and doctrine closely. So it's important to pay attention to why we do what we do. And what I would like to present to you this morning is this idea that why we do what we do often plays a role in what we do. In all my training, whether in the secular realm or in the sacred world, I have always been taught to think through why I do what I do. What one does often is often determined by why we do it. And when we forget about the why, the what almost becomes aimless. We just do it because we've always done it. Let me see if I can give you an illustration. We're all here in church this morning. Let me use church as an example of what I'm trying to say to you here. Why do we come to church? There's a lot of different reasons why people come to church. I'll just present a couple to you. It's my duty. It's not bad to realize we have a responsibility to do something, but if it's just about duty, I'm just coming just because it's the right thing to do, that's, that's why I went to church as a child, by the way. 
My mom would take us to church every week. It's the right thing to do, Timmy. We got to go to church. And I got to tell you, when it's just a duty like that, I mean, I didn't want to go, but I had to go. And when it's just a duty, you spend a lot of time just waiting for it to be over. If it's just a duty, it can become very boring. If it's just a duty, and this is what I did, while I was there, I was thinking about what I was going to do after it was over. I was thinking what I was going to do re- the rest of the day. And so if, it's ju- if the why is just a duty, then what we do, it affects us. And frankly, when why we come to church is because it's a duty, well, then what happens is um, often we stop coming unless we just don't have anything else to do. There's other reasons people come to church. For, for some people, it's their entertainment. Now, listen, I know, folks, not many of us, if any of us would ever say, I come to church for entertainment. We know that's wrong. But I think if we were really honest, sometimes we fall into that trap. And see, if it's entertainment, what we become is we become a spectator. And when we become a spectator, it's, you know, we need to be moved by the show, if you will. I almost hate to even use that terminology because Sunday morning is not a show. It's a worship service. But when we fall into this trap, it becomes a show for us. And we evaluate based on why we're there. If we're there for entertainment, it's got to move me. It's, it's got to be something I like. And if I don't like, I'll go someplace else where I can find that. You know, last Sunday was student-driven Sunday, and I was really particularly moved by it because I could not believe how many things would be said by the people that were there that would apply to where I felt like the Lord was moving me to share with you this morning. And so I'm going to share some of those thoughts with you. Brandy Miller was evaluating her life. She was thinking about why she does what she does, and she said this, and by the way, all these quotes, I went back and listened and quoted them verbatim. Brandy said, I as a Christian seem to forget that following Christ is not a spectator sport. We are called to be participants. I find in my life that when dissatisfaction creeps in, I have slipped into the role of a critical, unthankful spectator. Now, I got to tell you, I've fallen into that trap as well. There are times I get distracted, and then I'm, I'm a little bit upset because something didn't go quite the way I wanted it to on a Sunday morning. And then I go out of here, and I think, I came to worship the Lord. Why did I allow myself to get so distracted by that? I think the church is, and I'm not talking just here. I'm talking about the church in general. I do think the church is full of spectators. And if we're not full of spectators, folks, why do we every year, why every year do we have to make a plea for people to serve in our children's ministry? Right now, we need 35 people to share and to, 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 um, to volunteer for children's ministry. And by the way, that sounds like a lot. It's 35 people because that's 35 people serving one Sunday a month. If people would serve Four Sundays a month, you could, you could divide that, work, that number, 35, by four. Is it, is it possible that we've become spectators 
and we've missed what God wants from us. We need nine or ten people to serve in Awana. And by the way, back to children's ministry, it was already said during the announcements, and Christine said it really nice because she's really nice. But if we don't have people to serve in classrooms, we have to close the classroom. That's sad to me. Maybe you ought to consider if maybe you're a spectator. I'm not sure. I'm just giving you that to think about. Here's another reason people come to church. It's their Bible study. And when a person decides that the reason to come to church is they want their Bible study, well, then what happens? It's all about the sermon. They want the deep things of God. They don't really care about, you know, the the music and all the other stuff that goes on. They just want that sermon. And people like this, sometimes when it's just their sermon, they'll walk in on a Sunday morning and they'll see that it's a student-driven Sunday and they'll go, no sermon today, I'm out of here. And they may miss the fact that there's actually a great sermon through those testimonies. But if that's the only reason they're coming, they're going to be a little stunted in their relationship with Christ. The next one I'm going to share with you, I think, has become a really huge one, frankly, for many people in church. And that's this. It's my fellowship. I come for the fellowship, which is important, by the way. But if that's all they come for, they don't need the sermon. They don't need the music. In fact, if they can just sit in the cafe all morning and talk, they've got their church for the day. Or if they can stand in the parking lot and, oh, I had great fellowship out there. We really talked about what was going on. Or maybe they'll go to an ABF and they'll say, that's my church this morning. And so I'll go to the ABF and I'll go home. And what I'm saying is, Bible study in and of itself is not necessarily bad, but it's not all about fellowship if we're not growing in our relationship with Christ. So the why really affects what we do. And I'm presenting it to you this morning just to think about it because I think it's important to ask why. I remember a time in my life, I was a brand new believer and uh, I was working in a grocery store and as it was back then, you know, they were open seven days a week. I worked on, I worked seven days a week because we were a young family. I was trying to make some money to support us, worked on Christmas and New Year's, and then all of a sudden, uh, we started having children, and I realized that I'm working so much that my kids are growing up, and I'm missing it. And I thought, what am I doing? I've got to make a change. I had lost all sense of the why. I needed to make a change, and I've learned that we need to stop and evaluate from time to time. And so this morning, I'm going to try to give you an opportunity to maybe evaluate your life. And as believers, someone who claims the name of Christ, we must never divorce our life or the why from our relationship with Jesus Christ and what he calls us to do. So if I could just share a couple of passages with you that you are very familiar with. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Why we do what we do cannot be divorced from the call that Jesus has put on our lives to go and make disciples. Jesus, another passage I would share with you is in Matthew 22, 37 to 40. I'm sure you're familiar with the passage. It's called the Great Commandment. And Jesus is being, being kind of challenged or being tried to, 
trying to, they're trying to trick him up, and they ask him what's the greatest commandment, and listen to what he says. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he goes on and gives the second one, even though they asked for the greatest. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And boy, I'll tell you, loving God and loving others ought to be factored into why we do what we do. It ought to be factored into our evaluation process. And as I said, I was particularly moved last Sunday during the Student Driven Sunday, and I'm, I'm going to actually quote some of these folks because I thought what they said was right up, right just in the wheelhouse of what we're talking about here this morning. Ashton Unholtz, a high school student, said this, when I think of beach camp, she was reflecting on beach camp, I think four words, go, make, go and make disciples. Then she quoted a couple of things that the speaker had said at camp, and he said, most people take the Great Commission as the great suggestion. She also said, disciple-making is not a spiritual gift, but a command. And then she heard that, and she evaluated. She asked the why of her life, and here's what she said. I was challenged greatly with this, and I reevaluated my views. I have to remember not to get caught up in the temporary things of this world. Instead, I need to be focused on reaching out to others and sharing the gospel with them in order to help create internal difference. Brandy Miller, who was asked to do something this summer at College Ski Wake and Surf that she didn't feel like was her gift, and she had been evaluating. Listen to what she said. Cooking and, camp, cooking and camping are not part of my skill set. As things often go, a few days before, I had prayed for a renewal in purpose. She was thinking. Tori Kutzier, a junior high student, very insightful. She was evaluating, and she said, we all have roles to play in God's story. We have three main questions to ask. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what is my purpose? Well, you could do a lot if we'd ask ourselves those questions. And then Spencer Morris, another high school student, he was at beach camp as well, and I was really challenged as he shared because he, had, he was challenged and he went to a leader at, at beach camp and listen to what he says. I came to him confused, speaking of the leader, and frustrated because I had felt, because I had felt that I had not been doing what God has called me to do. Our purpose here on this earth is to love God and to love others, spreading the gospel wherever I go. I felt like I had totally read over God's greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, for the past 17 years of my life by not sharing the gospel locally wherever I went. And boy, that challenged me, and I bet it challenged some of you as well. So... This morning, I'm going to give you a few things to think about, hopefully, that we will all together kind of evaluate, and it's something we ought to be doing. I'm going to share with you, this is so much I could share with you, and what I'm going to share with you, there's so much within it, but I just want to give you a little something to think about in this process of evaluating why you do what you do by sharing with you 
what, our, what I call our discipleship process. I'm going to share three things with you. I will tell you that the first two, personally, I have found as non-negotiables in my life. If I want to grow, these first two have to be in my life. And then the third one is something that's add, kind of added on to that as a person can do that. Acts 5.42 says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. First and foremost, and some of you I'm guessing will not agree with this, I ask you to consider this because this is being systematically dissected from the Christian life by the world. The first process in the discipleship process, the scripture calls it the temple courts, meeting together in the temple courts. I will call it the corporate worship service, if you will. Getting together, and it was both April and Joseph and Kirk and Allie shared about the importance of the community of Christ. Never forget what what our Lord says. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church He is not talking about an individual necessarily. He's talking about the community of Christ. And it is is to the church that he gives the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Part of being in the church is being connected together as a community. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, I won't quote it again because Kirk quoted it, but it basically says, think about how you're going to encourage and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Don't give up meeting together. It is important to be in here. And in this modern day culture that we fight against, we are are hammered by this idea that we don't have to be in here together. We can get all this someplace else. No place else can you get this. When I was a young believer, statistically, it said that a regular attender was someone who was in church roughly three out of four Sundays of the month, sometimes four of four, or depending on how many weeks, but basically it was almost always there. A few years ago, statistically, the statistics changed, and it said that a regular attender is someone who is in church two out of four weeks. And that statistic now has even changed, which tells me we're losing this battle, folks. And person to person, we got to fight back by being here. Statistically, a regular attender now is someone who is in church every six weeks. And that is scary because we need one another. Tori Kutsir, when she asked those questions, which I thought were very good questions, where do I where do I, be, or who am I? I'm an emissary of God. I belong to the Lord. Where do I belong? Her answer was, I belong in community with other believers. What's my purpose? My purpose is to point everything I do to God and make others believe in Him. And I'm just telling you, you're not going to be where you need to be in your relationship with Christ if you are not connected to the community in here. The second step in the discipleship process. The scripture says house to house, or I will say our groups. We would say that our groups are essential to the discipleship process. Our groups are devoted to the purpose of, devo- of discipling people to be doers of the word. And folks, we have more Bible studies than we know what to do. I mean, places where we can go hear people teach the word of God. 
But the problem is we hear the word of God, but we're struggling to do what it says. That's James 1.22, which says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And small groups are essential to help us to do this. And by the way, sometimes I hear people say, I don't need to be in our group. You know what? You might not be. You may not need to be. You might be so mature that you don't need that, but somebody else may need you. And I think Joseph made reference to that. Our groups are small communities of believers committed to growing together as disciples of Christ. In our inquirers class, we share at the end of the class our philosophical principles. I'm not going to quote them all to you, but I do want to share one of them with you. One philosophical principle in our church is we cannot adequately care for people if they aren't in a small group. We will try, but it's so easy to hide in the large group. That's why we need smaller groups. It's too easy to be invisible, isolated. The scriptures refer to us as sheep. Never fall for the trap of thinking that we are called sheep because we are dumb. God does not see us as dumb sheep. There are attributes of sheep, though, that um, apply to us, and one of those is that sheep have a tendency to go astray. They have a tendency to wander away from the flock, if you will. And then the evil ones, they are like wolves who try to get us isolated so that they can kill us. We need each other. We need to stay close to the flock. And again, Brandy Miller last week made this comment. I have come to see myself and my attitude as reflected in Proverbs 18.1, which this is the ESV version. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And what she is saying is it's dangerous to be alone. We need to be within the community of believers and small groups play a big role in that. Ashton Unholtz again said this, going into the school year, in her evaluation process, going into the school year, I want to go make disciples and be intentional about the relationships I make with others. But before I can go make disciples, I must first be a disciple and have a mentor. And I share that with you because we are going to add, an, uh, we're going to add something to our, our groups this year because our groups are important and we need to be in small groups. But we even need to be in smaller groups. We need to be in a situation where we can be in a little bit more intimate relationship. And so we are going to add an something into our R groups, not to take the place of our R groups, but an option to help people grow. We are talking, folks, about discipleship. We are talking about discipleships. Disciples are devoted learners, and so we want to learn. Ashton said, discipleship begins with willingness and prayer and is done through relationships. Another definition I found on the web, don't know who said it, but said, discipleship is Christ-likeness, transformative, proximity, doing life together, organic relationships. Bill Street in his book says, making disciples is not an option for the believer who desires to do the will of God. So we're adding an opportunity to make, to have people be more, to be, open the door for them to be discipled and to disciple. 
It's going to be designed to get one to three people into a discipleship relationship. What we're hoping is that in the R groups, some people will say, you know what, why don't we pair off? Why don't, why don't two or three of us guys pair off and let's go through this together? Or maybe the ladies will pair off with some and really get into things that they can talk about in a smaller group together. Uh, if you're not in an R group, actually, you could still do this. This discipleship program is a 36-week course. You're not going to be able to see everything that's on the board. I just want to give you a picture of it. And saying that it's 36 weeks doesn't have to be 36 weeks. It could be more than that as you work on it. It's, you'll have the opportunity to read three books together. You'll have the opportunity to memorize Scripture together. We're really hoping that maybe if you are a mature believer that you might pray that God will bring to you mind someone that you can begin to disciple, or if you feel like you need to be discipled, that you might pray about someone that can disciple you and pair up with these folks. And if you're interested in this, in this, uh, this process, just contact me through email, text. I'm, for an old guy, I'm pretty technologically connected. And let me know you want to be in it. We'll get the book to you, one book at a time, the study guides. Books are 10 bucks a piece. If you're interested, like this morning, we've talked about being involved in an R group. If you're interested in being in an R group, we have a table set up out, outside out here. Our R group leaders are wearing these name tags. You can go out and talk to them about R groups and even sign up if you want to get in one because our R groups are starting in a couple of weeks. So I want to encourage you in that. The third step I'm just going to mention, and that is what we call specialty groups. These are targeted groups to target specific people. Women's enrichment, for example, is for women. Um, ironworks is for men. Student ministries, children, mops, all those kinds of things. And those are things to go along with temple courts and small groups. But we want to tell you, this is something that you do not to in the place of the temple courts and the small group. Specialty groups are not equal to those others. We would say that those first two are most important and then specialty groups or something you add in as you can. So that's our discipleship process. We're gonna sing a song together. I'm gonna to ask you to stand in just a moment. We're gonna sing a song together, but before we do that, I wanna give you one more quote from Spencer Morris, who you've already heard from. Listen to what he says. I came to understand that the majority of people we come in contact with will only hear the gospel through our actions. Everything we do and everything we say should reflect our faith in Jesus Christ. I immediately thought of Luke 9.23 as he was saying that, and I was challenged with people in my life that I need to witness to. Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. I'm going to ask you to stand. Folks, I hope you've been inspired this morning in some way. We're going to sing a song together. If this song is true, really, if it's true, we must evaluate what we're doing. Are we really doing what God wants us to do? Let's sing together.
just lift up this congregation to you and all the art groups that are going to be starting and for all the relationships that will be built. God, I just pray for strong relationships to be built. Lord, that we may build your kingdom, Lord, and that together we would do great and mighty things for you, Lord, and uh, you would help us to reach the lost. You know people that are hurting. You know people that need you, and even through these art groups, Lord, I pray that you would reach out uh, to, to your people in Jesus' name. Because our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wings, dumb power awesome God, he reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God.
me show you how it happens. It's ironic to me that we sang that song this morning. I did not say this in the first service, but the last time we sang that song, I thought, why do we have to sing it over and over and over? And then I was challenged when I walked out the door. Maybe I needed to hear it over and over and over. And it's so easy to get distracted. Is it true? If it is true, then we must go live that way and not get distracted by the world. God bless you all. Have a great day.